Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, it's a very exciting day because we finally have actual stuff, real on-ice hockey stuff to talk about with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. How are you doing? Woo-hoo. That was good. Yeah, that that's my... Honestly, I was fired up like today just to kind of get into it. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, interesting feelings, I guess, around the Leafs right now, but I'm interested in this stuff. Like, I think it's going to be an interesting year. Jonas, I uh, I played hockey for the first time on, on Sunday last weekend, and it was at the Leafs practice facility, my game. Mm. And... There's the first game I played in almost two years, and I tell you, like the it was it was almost like euphoric, <laughs> getting to go back and play, and it just I don't know, getting getting some things back that we lost there for a long period of time. It's been it's felt really good, and I know we're not out of the woods entirely on all the COVID nineteen related things, but uh, it sure feels nice that that something's in, and I hope for the people listening to that their lives are going back to quasi normal. All right, well let's let's keep as little of that stuff as we can from this let's let's just let's try to make this normal ish because we're still not back to normal uh so i was there at the first day of camp i was not uh yeah um so i'm gonna leave the floor to you james i know you're curious about what went on maybe i can help you um what do you want to know Okay, so I haven't even seen who... I saw a little bit of you tweeting about this, like who was skating with who and what the lines were and, and deep pairings and things like that. Maybe you can take us through what... Uh, and, and the listeners, too, who, who don't know, you can take us through what uh, what Sheldon Keefe was doing with his different groups today on the first day on the ice. Okay, so I can tell you what's interesting. So the first thing I would say, James, is that a lot of this stuff, a lot of these combinations are relevant but not totally relevant well they're looking at like, they're looking at something right like i've learned over the years with training camp yes that they're never completely irrelevant right like they're they're trying to no. s- they're trying to see some things with what they do and so like i will give you some examples so one of the questions we had going into camp we we had thoughts we had uh, expectations but we wondered like who were going to get those which players were going to get those two spots uh, at left wing on the top two lines. We we kind of have our first answer, and the answers are Nick Ritchie, uh, who will eventually get a chance with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and Michael Bunting, who will play with John Tavares, and I'm expecting William Nylander. Now, that was not how things went on the first day. Obviously, Matthews is not participating in the full activities at this point. He's not even handing on a puck. Uh, so Adam Brooks was in that spot with Marner and Richie. And then right now, Josh Hosing is getting a chance with Tavares and Bunting. So we can start there because that's obviously notable. Josh Hosing is a, is a well-known name. Let me interrupt um, just for a second. Where was Nealander yeah. Where was Neilander today? Neilander was on a line with Ilya Mikheyev and Alex Kerfoot. Do you think there's any chance that they try? They're going for a three-line approach and that... No. There's just not <laughs> enough spots. Like it doesn't, the math doesn't work, uh, right? There's there's too many there's too many people, because then you have then you have Comp, then you have Spezza, then you have right. Like you just there's and just you don't, not. And enough. you don't want to play Spezza with Comp. Like that doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, I don't think so. And like, I mean, I guess we can't rule anything. But like the way I'm looking at that is, 
Hosang is in Neander's spot. That's the way I view it. I could be wrong. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. And and now maybe Mikheyev and, and Kerfoot will eventually play with Kampf. Or or maybe Kampf will play with Kasha. So that's Kasha was with uh, Kampf and your buddy, Nikita Gusev. Mm-hmm. He's not your buddy. I just like to tease you. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> I, yeah, Nikita Gusev. That, that's interesting. I don't think that line's going to be staying together, but... You know, they probably want to get a look at some of these PTO guys with NHL players to give them a chance to show what they can do. Well, so that's the thing. So Hosang, like immediately what you're saying by putting him there is we are going to give you a chance. Like I, I do not expect him to make the NHL team, but we're going to give you a chance to show us something because maybe he'll sign with the Marlies. Like maybe who knows? Like maybe he'll get a job with another NHL team. Like we're going to give you a chance to show what you can do. We're not going to put you with fourth liners or AHLers. Like we're going to put you in prime time and give you some sort of shot to see what you can give. My prediction is Hosang is a Marley. Yeah, I would agree with that. And a call-up option. I would agree with that. And then, I mean, so what else do you want to know? What else did I not tell you that you're intrigued uh, about? So who was Spezza playing with? Spezza was with Nick Robertson mm. and Michael Amadio. Hmm. Amadio is a guy that's played a bunch in the NHL. Like, I wonder if, like, I wonder if some of these guys have, I mean, I guess there's just not enough spots for them to play in. There's not enough spots, James. Sorry. But, (laughs) I don't know. Just, I wonder if, like, some of these guys play well, if they feel like, oh, maybe we've got room to, like, move someone out or make a trade or something like that. See, here's the problem with the, the, I I just think all these guys get waived. Like, what what are any of these guys worth, to be honest? Like, you're, you're not... You're not getting any, like you're not, who's trading anything for a lot of these depth guys? Like you'll just claim them on waivers or you'll claim someone else if you you really need them. You know what I mean? Yep. That makes sense. So one guy who is sort of, I I guess it's not that super interesting, but like Pierre Engvall was on what looks like a Marley line. Like he was with Joey Anderson and Kirill Semyonov. Mm. So that's like... That's one of like I'm I'm writing an observations piece for theathletic.com. Go to theathletic.com slash sleep report to sign up, James. Um fifty percent off. Fifty percent off, there you go. Um that says to me that Sheldon Keefe is basically saying to Engval, amid all these other new guys coming in, like you're gonna have to like prove it. Like you're gonna have to earn your way onto the team. And like you forget, like you or Pierre Engval was like on their third line in the playoffs last year. Like now there's a chance he gets waived before the season. Like it's actually I would say it's probably likely, no? That he gets waived? Yeah. Like I mean there's just un- <sighs> well there's just I too could, many guys. Like there's I gonna could, be injuries. So I could see they wait like a f- I I could see them waiting like ten days into the season or something. You know, like their cap situation Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see. They can like, keep an extra guy. Yeah. Yeah. They, right. can, they, they can, can keep, keep an extra one. guy. They're not going to be on the road on a real trip for a while. They don't have to wave Engvall yet. But he's the guy, that, you know, I, I wrote a piece earlier in the week saying that I think that maybe there's a forward that they might have to trade. And I think it could be like Engvall for like a six round pick or something that they do. Okay. So there's two points on that. One is obviously if you're just going to lose him on waivers, you would rather... I mean, maybe you wouldn't rather trade him because, like, maybe you can sneak him through. Mm-hmm. The thing with Engvall that I think is interesting, James, and it's it's crazy. We're like 
10 minutes into the show and we're deep diving in Ang- into Engvall. This that's is what, truly... That's what the show's all about, my friend. A uh, least hey, niche podcast. We've already talked about Michael Amadio and we're like seven minutes into yes. like, so. <laughs> But so I, I think what... Like I was thinking about Engvall more than I had um, recently. And I was just kind of looking at like their situation moving forward. Like Ilya Mikheyev is going to be a UFA next summer. I mean, we'll see how this season goes. But there's a chance that that he's not back. You're going to need like another another forward who plays like they don't play similar games, but like a bottom six guy who maybe can score a bit, maybe I, kill penalties. I think they're similar. Like, they're big. They skate well. They're they're good defensively. Like you know. and and so Engvall is going to be a restricted free agent after this year. He's not going to cost you anything. He's controllable. Like I mean, there's a world where you kind of want to keep a guy like that around. And there's a rule, a world James, like where you want to keep a guy like that around for this year as just like a 13th forward. Like he can play center. He can play the wing. Like he's kind of just a useful guy to have around. I don't really like waving or losing him for sure. It's just the, their cap situation is so tight that they can't really keep him as the 13th forward. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and there's a chance like he's at one, two, five. Like there's a chance like that the team just doesn't, claim him i mean that's but the if likelier you're like thing buffalo or something why wouldn't you just like he's probably like look at buffalo's lineup man like yeah why would i you mean just, we do we do this every year though like we assume guys will get claimed and they just don't well the leafs had how many guys did the leafs have claimed on waivers last year vc boyd uh aaron but Dell. those were not but those were different situations like this, those were throughout the season like vc was on the team to start boyd was on the team to start like they lost those guys later on and that was like didn't vancouver have a bunch of injuries isn't that yeah if I, my memory well the best time serves? probably to sneak someone through waivers is that last day that last the clear day when you when you got to get everyone uh when you got to get under the cap the day before the season starts so maybe they just dump a bunch of these guys on there then yeah, and I mean James, like look at look at all these there are NHL players like we've just talked about some of them who are on PTOs. Like you're telling me that that Alex Galchenyuk isn't better than a lot of the forwards on on Buffalo or mm-hmm. Arizona and like he's on a PTO. Like What about Cody is Cody Franzen on a PTO in Washington? I did not see that. Is that true? I wow. think so. He was skating with a bunch of Washington players before camp started. I know that anyway. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Unless it was a different Franzen. Now you have me doubting myself. Here, let me do, do some more research here before I start. Well, to- so what what interests me, James, about the early the, fir- the early days, like this is like the first day. Um, I think the Richie thing is going to be really interesting. Um, he has not proven to this point to be someone who can play in that kind of role. He he, You would think his numbers are, are better than they were. I think we talked about that last week. I'm not convinced like that's going to stick. Maybe it will. Maybe he'll like take advantage of this chance like he did last year in Boston. To me, like I, I just think eventually they're just going to trade for someone. That would be my guess. So let's see. But you're off on some rabbit hole well, about I'm Cody Franzen. Well, Leafs fans care. Well, I think like they he, care more about Nick Ritchie right the now. Hershey but, Bears, yeah, go ahead. The Hershey Bears signed Nick uh, Cody Franz and Nick Ritchie. The Hershey Bears signed Cody Franz into a, to a contract, so that's why he's at Washington's camp. So he's going to be playing in the AHL in, in their organization. Okay. Okay. Nick Ritchie. 
Nick Ritchie. How can Did I you hear anything of what I said? Okay. Probably not. <laughs> well, you just said that you're not convinced that he's a good fit on that line, right? Yeah, I think they're going to eventually trade for someone, would be my guess. That was one of my predictions, or prognostications, as they call them. Like, spicy. I, I just think spicy prognostications. Spicy. I know you love when I use the word spicy. Well, I see that some other people are starting to call you spicy now on social media, so my nickname is catching on. Nice. Spicy. Well, there already is a spicy in Toronto. Spicy P. Yeah, but you can be Spicy J. Spicy J. <laughs> oh man, I think um, you're. I think you're right. I mean, I don't think Nick Ritchie's the perfect fit there. I think they're gonna. Uh, but we, we've said it on the podcast before. If you're, you got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. You know, the third guy should be able to be like an old boot that, like, you know, you can bank bucks off of or whatever. Like, you, you shouldn't have to. Like, yeah. You shouldn't have to put like a four million dollar winger with those guys. Yeah, but if you can make your team better ahead of the deadline, like I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Um, I wonder if they might I mean, add a defenseman at the trade deadline. I mean, I guess it's, we're, we're going to have to wait and see what the hell the year plays out. Well, I think that's a good point. They are they do feel a little vulnerable on defense just because of the younger guys that they are counting on at the bottom. But I mean, Dermott's been in the league a while now. Um, Sandine, like this is the opportunity that. Many have wanted him to get for some time, even though he's really young. It's just like one injury in there and they're in some trouble. Yep. But that's like, I mean, that's kind of reality, right? Yep. Well, let's, well, uh, okay. Are we done on the, on the Nick, yeah, R- yeah. The Nick Ritchie conversation? Is that the end yeah, of the it? Other th- wait, the only thing I, I would add is I would not be surprised if we also see Bunting get a chance with Matthews if the Ritchie thing doesn't mm. stick. I think he would fit there just like he'd fit with Tavares. Mm. Well, but anyway, go ahead. You you do love Bunting. Yeah, I'm in on the Bunting. You like Bunting, Team when, you, bunting. when you play softball and you like Bunting when he plays for the Leafs. Yep. <laughs> yes, guy. <laughs> so, okay. So, we've been through the the forward lines. What about D pairs? It looked like they were doing some interesting things there. Well, so what they did is, is Sheldon Keefe said on the first day of camp, the first official day where they weren't on the ice, uh, that he wanted to pair up some younger guys with some veteran guys. And he explained a little bit more what he was trying to do with that. Um, he, he basically said he wants some of these younger defensemen to get reps against some of the Leafs better players. So like when Muzzin, so Muzzin, for example, was paired with Timothy Lilligren. So Muzzin's going to end up on the ice a lot against, I forget who's in his group, Tavares. So now Lilligren is going to get those reps going head to head with Tavares and going head to head with Hosang. So will they do that in preseason? Will they use those D pairs in preseason? He made it sound like they will. And so the other, the other pairings were, this was a one that used to be a topic of conversation, Riley with Travis Dermott. And then uh, Rasmus Sandin with TJ Brody. And mm. and obviously, I think we actually saw Sandin with Brody at some point last year. I can't remember Did when. really? I don't remember he, that. I think so. Maybe it was just a sh- shift. I, maybe it was someone was hurt. I can't remember. I don't remember. My brain is all that. fogged from last year. <laughs> um, Let's just delete that. <laughs> delete. No, I think that happened. I think Leafs I fans would like to delete last season from memory. Well, maybe that didn't happen. No, no, I don't think so. I don't. No, th- it did. It did. Remember that that stretch when when Sheldon Keith mixed up the pairings. Oh yeah, right. No. R- late in the year. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. No, I don't. That wasn't one because, of them. Though. 
Yeah, that wasn't one of them. I don't know why I have a memory of that happening. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right, let's move on. We're down like another bad rabbit hole here. We're 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 a little bit rusty. We have, we've only done one podcast in the last. Well, and very little has actually happened. No, it's okay. There's <laughs> we got lots to talk about here. I wouldn't worry about okay. that. So I actually I like this that they're they're mixing up the deep pairs. I think this makes a lot of sense. Well, um, let me stop you. That's not like the season. We know what their D is going to look like in game one of the season. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but so, I do not think so, this is for any other reason but to, I mean, to get those guys some looks. But I did, I did say during the year last year, if they have one injury on D, we we were like seventy five percent of the way through the year. It's like they're not going to have, they're going to have never looked at any other pairings. Like these guys are going to be like playing with each other for the first time. Like if if you're going to, like let's say Justin Hall gets hurt, you know, like it it probably makes sense to like experiment with Muzzin with some of the other right defensemen and see what you've got. <laughs> Well, it would make sense, Dermot, not Lilligren. But yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, that that was one of the things we, that I don't think we saw enough of last year is just emergency situations. Now, there were, like I mentioned, those two games, I think, when Riley played with Hall and Muzzin played with Brody. That's what it was. Um, maybe we see more of that. What else is interesting to you from the... Very first day of camp. So interesting. So intriguing. Was that, did anything catch your your ear or your eye from the very first day when we had the press conferences? We heard from Kyle Dubas. We heard from Keith. We heard from a bunch of players. This is going to be a bad answer given that we're in the we're in the job of making things interesting and compelling. But I thought that that first day was pretty boring and there wasn't really anything there that excited me all too much. I mean, I thought William, William Nylander needing to get vaccinated was to me was mildly interesting for some reason, but there wouldn't, there, there wasn't a lot there that like, that surprised me or, you know, this, this season's going to be interesting in terms of like media coverage and fan interest perspective, because like there's a tendency to just say, I don't know how much any of this stuff matters. Like the, this, the like talking part of the season just doesn't really matter. Okay, so here's where I will counter that because I don't agree. Well, you were there and I wasn't there. Like, just like trying to watch it as like a a television product, it was like, okay. Oh, no, I don't mean, I mean on your last point. The first day wasn't super interesting, but like, I don't know how it can be that interesting Um, when nothing has happened. Like, we're kind of just replaying the old hits from last year. And I, I understand that, but there's not so much to continue to be said about last year. You know what I mean? Like we're in a new year, but nothing has happened in the new year. But why I think the the regular season is going to be interesting is because we're going to learn about the team and like we're going to learn about what it is that's going to set them up to have a different result or not in the playoffs. Like I thought it was interesting. Keith mentioned um, that they need to instill some of the things during the regular season that will stand up in the playoffs. And he mentioned offense and like that rung a bell for me because that was something I was thinking about heading into training camp is for two years in a row, offensively, once the playoffs have hit under Keefe, yeah. they've not been anywhere near as dangerous. And what is the reason for that? Is that do they need to do something differently? And so so that's really interesting to me. It's something we actually we should discuss from the first day. And I, I should have brought this up sooner. I think it was really interesting that Keefe revealed um, not necessarily the, the revelation itself, but that he's going to give the power play lead role to Spencer Carberry, the, the new assistant coach, 
basically taking the job from from Manny Malhotra. Like they're that's that is really interesting. Like Carberry's never coached in the league. He's coming in fresh. You're right. That actually is Mal- the most interesting thing that happened on the first day. Yeah, and yeah. like man, like obviously the power play was a massive problem for the Leafs I last w- year. I wonder how they identified Carberry because remember when he was hired, we were like, is he a power play guy? And we were kind of like, no, not really. Like, it doesn't really seem like he's... It's not like the power play on his team was, like, outrageously good or anything like that. So, I wonder how they identified him to be that role. Well, Keith talked about that. He said, like, everyone he spoke with spoke very highly of him. And as Chris Johnson and I were talking about this today, as he pointed out, which is an important point, and a lot of power play is, like, the people that you have um, on your power play... Um, but, yeah, it, but it's they already still, have, they already have the good people though, and it didn't work. So like they they need they need a power play whisperer that can make the good people produce. Right. Well, they need to do some different things on their power play. That's very clear, and that was so clear why, a while. It's why just, is this car battery guy from Hershey the the answer though? I don't know. I want to call. I guess him, we'll see. I want to call him car battery. It's, wasn't uh, Daniel Carcillo car bomb? Yes. Um, but obviously like that's, that's one of the points about camp. That's going to be interesting. We, they didn't do special teams on the first day. We're going to see that pretty soon, maybe even on Friday, what they do with their power play. How is it different? Who is where and on what unit? Um, and so maybe Carberry has some different ideas. It's just, it's, it's awkward that the guy who was running it last year is still in the staff. Like you don't really see that a lot. Except that Malhotra, like, (laughs) should have a good skill set as like a defensive coach. Like he should. No. no? That's not his, but that's not, no, he's working with the forwards. Like that's not his job. Well, defensive forwards then. Like he was a, he was a really good defensive forward. Like, so maybe he, you know, he's not going to be teaching them how to shoot the puck or whatever, but that's why they've got like the skills coaches like Belfry and stuff there. Yeah. So he can teach the system to the forwards. But so how much of what happens with the power play do you put on the head coach and how much do you put on the, the assistant who's running it? I think a lot of it's on the head coach. Like everyone, everyone's trying to blame the assistant coach, but like the head coach is in all of those meetings. And like if the head coach wants to overrule the assistant coach on something, then he can. And to me, James, without being on the inside, that's what it felt like to me last year. It felt like Keith was... Overruling? Again, this is just feel. Yeah, that just based on what they did... Um, that he was involved a lot. And obviously, it's his team. He should be involved a lot. But it never felt to me that they they really settled on what they wanted to do with the power play last year. Like, we knew because Sheldon Keefe told us that Manny Malhotra really wanted to have two units. He wanted to split up the, the stars. He wanted a net front guy on each unit. And eventually, like, they just kept going away from that. Anytime there was trouble, they they went, they didn't stick with what they wanted to do. Um, and I'm going to be interested to see if they will stick with what they want to do this year. Like if, if they have William Nealander playing a more central role, does that stick? What do they do with Mitch Marner? What do they do with John Tavares? Like, I, I just think obviously like that, that has to be fixed. Like that can't happen again. And it's happened two years under Keith where they start really well and then they just completely uh, fizzle out. Um, so we talked about, we talked about the forward lines and who was with who, and we talked about the D pairs and who was with who, but were the goalie, like, what were the goalie tandems like? <laughs> so, man, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about the goalies. Oh, baby. 
All right, James, you wanted to know about the goalies. I was, there I, is, I was joking. I, <laughs> okay, good, because there's not very much interesting about the goalies. <laughs> I was, but you know what? I, I was trying to make a stupid joke about, I don't know what, go, goalie. Can you tell which goalies in the, in the like, I mean, there's there's no intrigue with the goalies really this year in camp other than, I mean, we want to see if Mrazek and Campbell play well, I guess. And stay healthy. Yeah. That is the, that is honestly, I'm not sure if I would rank performance ahead of health with those guys. Now, maybe it should be because like, that's all that matters, but I am just as concerned or I would be if I worked for the Leafs about those guys staying healthy because both guys have really struggled. And obviously if, if they suffer injuries, you know what time it is, James, what time would it be? Michael Clutchinson. Exactly. We need like a sound effect or something for him. Yeah. Like like a a lightning bolt. uh, Yeah. Or a siren. (laughs) Michael Clutchinson. So they just need those guys at least to stay healthy. Um, Obviously, to be fair to Michael Hutchinson, he played really well last year. Like you can't ask for anything more. I just. So Mrazek's injury last year, someone crashed him into him in the net and it broke his hand. So it's like, I have a hard time saying that. Yeah. Yeah. He's had other injuries. That's not like, I'm not just basing it on one fluke. I think it was a thumb injury. He's, he's been hurt and inconsistent throughout his career. Like he's, he's a huge question mark. Like I, I don't know if you agree with this. I, I put it in one of my stories and I believe it. I think this is as much uncertainty with their goaltending as we've had in this current era. I don't now, know. you could say last year. Yeah. But. And I mean, Anderson introduced some uncertainty the last couple of years. I mean, like, there was a lot of uncertainty that year when they had to go get Campbell, right? Because, like, everything was, was, was. But they still had Anderson, right? Like, and at that point, Anderson was still, he had his uh, flaws and he had his questions, but, like, he was still a fairly consistent regular. Not, I shouldn't say fairly consistent because that was not his hallmark, but at least, like, he was a top 12 ish goalie in the league. You know what I mean? And this year, I don't know what they're going to get out of either guy. This is this is my 14th year around the Leafs. I think goaltending issues have been <laughs> very, very common and over that time. So Well, and the other thing that's been common is defensively, and that's why last year was... Yeah. I feel like that's kind of flown way under the radar, and I, I get it. But they were a really good defensive team last year. And even if you watch, like, go back and watch some of the playoff games... They gave up very little to Montreal. Now, you could counter and say, well, Montreal doesn't really have that much firepower. But defensively, like that part of their game actually held up in the playoffs. And again, like you mentioned, the goaltending being a problem the time you've covered the team. Defensively, like, can you remember the Leafs having a good defensive team before last year? Like, I it was the Quinn, don't know that it they was have. the Quinn years because if you looked at like goals against and it, they had their best season in terms of goals against per game since it was like 2002 or something like that. So that's like almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think Holy. back to the, the decors they had back then and like, you know, they had some you know, they had good players like Yushkevich and Markov and, you know, those teams were hard to play against and hard to score on. And they had good goaltending as well on top of that. So um, that, that, that that's why like going into the playoffs, it was a real feather in, in the cap of Sheldon Keefe that he had done that because that was the focus in training camp. And then. You know, I, I think they did fix the defensive play. I think that, you know, I think Brody was a big part of it too. Yep. Yep. Turns out you need a lot of good defensemen to play good defensively, James. Oh, no more hot takes, Jonas. <laughs> um, what else? What else is interesting to you? Well, we talked about the forward lines. We talked about the deep pairs. We talked, talked about, about the goalies. We talked about the goalies. Is there any other position I'm forgetting? Do you know who's interesting to me, James, just watching the first day, who, I mean, I don't know if I should call him a dark horse, 
but someone I could see playing in their top six. And and you had this in a story at one point is Kasha. Like just watching him, like he's he good, he man. looks he's in yeah like he remember him in Anaheim. He's like he he is a top six forward if if he can get. He's only played eighty eight games in the last three years. So, but you know he's been healthy almost the whole summer. So that's you know he's been healthy for a couple months. I, he he's a real wild card because because if he's fully healthy in what he was in Anaheim, like I'm not even talking about the Boston the time he was in Boston. If he is what he was in in Anaheim, the Leafs could have something really. That, yeah. That's going to be big. And he looked it to me the first day. Like, he just looked like – he looked like a player. Like, he looks like someone who could be something. And, again, like, it's health. And and the guy – it's interesting. Like, uh, David Kampf was very impressive in Sheldon Keefe's eyes on the first day of camp. Now, again, first day of camp, like, whatever. David Kampf um, is well known for his physical physique. Like, he is – he is um, – Specimen? Yeah. Yep. He's strong. And I'll be interested to see how they use a, a comp line this season. Obviously, um, we saw last year, James, like they tried to create a defensive line and it did not stick. Was there anyone else that, that stood out as either good or bad? It's only one day, but... Not really. I mean, Keith was really impressed with Sandine and you watched like... I mean, half of it was... Um, conditioning drills. Like he, the way it started is, is Keith put them through 20 minutes of egg skate. Yeah. I don't think you're, are, are we supposed to use that term anymore? I'm not sure. Um, what's, what's wrong with that term? It doesn't matter. Look it up. Um, yeah. So like the first, the first half of it was just skating. And, and I got to tell you, James Rasmus Sandine winning a lot of those races. He looked great. Like, and, it's going to be a really interesting year for him because uh, obviously he's going to get his first chance to play regularly, uh, which he did not have last year. Like you remember the way things started last year, he had Miko Lettinen in his way and then he got hurt. Like it was just like a year from hell for him. And now like the, the pathway is open. He's going to be on one of the power play units. He's going to get to play. And he's such an important part of their future. Obviously, the Riley conversation gets connected to that. Dermot's future kind of gets connected to that. If he can be something, um, that's that's going to take them to a different point than than even last year. Like you saw hints of it um, last year, even in the playoffs, you saw the good and bad of, of kind of where he's at at this point. Yeah, I I, th- I think fans are down on Sandy a little bit just because of some of the mistakes he made in the playoffs, but. What you point out is is like he just he didn't really he didn't play for a huge long stretch and then he was hurt and he, did, he getting in at training camp and preseason games and then the early portion of the NHL season that's when young players get acclimatized to what the NHL is like and Sandine didn't really he didn't really get a, a normal introduction to the league so he's going to get that this year and I think that that's why he potentially could surprise people. Well, and you know what's not really easy is to play the NHL playoffs when you barely played in yeah. the NHL. And, and I mean, that was a bold choice from Keith that paid off and also did not pay off. Um, like, I don't think that they had a great year in terms of how they handled the situation with Sandine. I, I kind of think they got boxed in a little bit inadvertently with Miko Lentinen and they signed Zach Bogosian, which I thought made sense. But anyway, that's last year. Um, so I don't know what else is is um, especially interesting from the first day. I'm trying to. I, I think we should you. go to. 
should we? I think we should go into our own bag skate and see what's in the pod bag. All right, let's take a break and let's do it. James, it is pod bag time. You have the floor. And wait, before I before I get to the pod bag, a reminder to, to eat at your local restaurants and support your local businesses, obviously, now more than ever. That's all. You and I both have a birthday coming up, so we're going to have to go support some restaurants for our birthday. I've got one planned. I'm very excited. Very excited. Yeah, I, I like. I got to find like a nice restaurant. What kind of food kid, are you looking for? That my, that my kid. I like like steaks and burgers, and you know, like, but like like higher end if I can find it. Hmm. Okay. But I need. To, but the key though, Jonas, is find a place that my kids can go to and not like lose the plot and destroy the place. You know where you so. should go? And I know you've been here before, but Allen's is like some of the best burgers in Toronto. Yeah, it's, probably, it's probably too, too fancy nice for my kid for my kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You gotta find somewhere that has a kid's menu is you is like a pretty good uh you know a place that's nice but also has a kid's menu. That's where you want to go. Just go to the keg then. That's not I guess that's our local business. Anyway. All right. Pod bag time. What do you got? All right. Matthew Blackett asks, what are the expected point totals for the core four forwards this year? That's a good question. That's a tough question. Do you want to, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I would say Marner and Matthews around 90, uh, Nylander around 80, Tavares around 75. Okay. All right. You you know what's interesting? You had Marner and Matthews lower than I would. I'm going to put both of them in the 100-point club. 103 for Matthews, 101 for Marner. Tavares, I think a little bit lower. I think 70 points. And I'll put William Nylander to have his first 75-point season. Actually, I don't even think he's a 70-point season. So first 70-point season. Ooh, I put him at 80. I think Nylander will have a big year this year. I do too. I do three. The, the talk around William Nylander has just completely died down after the playoffs. That's what one playoff can do. And like, that's honestly, it's a good reminder of obviously there's a big conversation with Matthews and Marner and Marner, especially all it takes is one playoff to change the narrative. And that's something like, I know we've heard from management. I think Kyle Dubas, especially that all it's going to take to change this narrative is for them to actually do it. And obviously we're a long way from the playoffs, but Nylander is a really good example of someone who had all these questions and then he plays really well in the playoffs and then no more questions. I got to laugh, Jonah. The only way they can change the narrative about not performing in the playoffs is to perform in the playoffs. It's crazy, eh? (laughs) Unbelievable. Gems I'm dealing you to hear today. You know, I I always like the saying that the Mike Babcock used to use a lot, what's true today isn't always true tomorrow. And like, shit, man, it's true. That's exactly, that's life. Willie Peterson whose handle is the Willrus, which I guess is kind of like a walrus, maybe. It's a pun. You love that stuff. Yeah. Well, he's asking me. He says, you got to pick one. I say he does it. Number one, William Nylander scores 40 goals. Number two, Sandine shows he's a top PP1 defenseman with 20 power play points. Number three, Dubas trades Ilya Mikheyev midseason. Those are good ones. <sighs> I don't think Nylander's going to have 40 goals. It would be two or three. I'm going to say Dubas trades McKay of midseason. I say he does it. All right. 
I think that's, I think that's, I think the McKayev situation is really interesting. Um, obviously the fact that he's a UFA at the end of the year is something, I don't know. That's everything. Like they're trying to win a cup. If he's one of their better forwards, he's going to stay, but like they could get into a situation where let's say Kasha plays really well and your need for him is a little bit less. Like, I just don't know what you're trading him for that makes it worth him to trade him would be my quibble. Yeah. Maybe you decide though, that like Nick Robertson's ready or maybe you decide that and, and you can free up 1.6 million to do something else. And I don't know. I just, I'll go with Neander to score 40 would be my, of those. Really? Yeah. I think that is the least likely of those. The 40 is a lot of goals. He scored 31 in 68 two years ago. Yeah. So he's got to score like 30% more goals. All right. Guys get hot, right? Jason Blake scored 40 goals. We don't even know if he's going to be on the top power play unit. He will be. There's no way. Even though he should be. He will be. Don Clark has a whole bunch of questions. I'm just going to pick one. Honest prediction, the number of games Nick Robertson plays for the Leafs this year. It depends how many injuries the Leafs have, really. Like, I think, I don't think Nick Robertson's make, I'm pretty sure that he's not going to make the team out of camp. So, if they have a run of injuries at forward, he could play more. But you want to go first? I would say like 15 games. I would say less. I'll go under that mark. I was going to say like five to 10. But man, James, like just you, you, when you, you see him in person, that kid can shoot the puck. It's insane. Like he was, he was firing one timers. I think it was Rubens, Christian Rubens, who was feeding him. And it was just like, this is crazy. Like you're reminded again, he's so small and he hammers it. It's just like, Wow. Anyway. Well, part of it's the stick technology, right? Like it's not, it, technique is a big part of being able to hammer it now. He must be super strong too for his size. Well, he looks like he's very sturdy, like low center of gravity, strong that way. I think in beer league, I have the highest center of gravity of anyone that's ever played. You're like the Pierre Engvall of the beer league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my friends, I remember when Dave Steckel was on the Leafs. Yeah, he's like, you that's remind, a good you remind, one. You remind me of Dave Steckel. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm at the Dave Steckel of beer league. I don't know if that's really a, I'm a forward and I'm 6'5 and lanky. and He was a of, smart guy too. So that fits. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we can, we can talk more about how bad I am at hockey at some, another point. Do you think um, this, wait, can I just ask you, do you think this is the only podcast in the world that in the same podcast mentions Dave Steckel and Cody Franzen? Probably. And Michael Amadio. And Michael Amadio. <laughs> what was it? What's the most obscure player we've talked oh, about today? Oh, jeez. That's probably, uh, probably him. And Spencer Carberry gets 17 mentions. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Blake as punch our producer points out. Did we mention, Jay- oh, man. Did we mention Jason I Blake? Did. Oh, I f- yeah, because he said, well, William, like 40 goals a lot. And I said, well, Jason Blake scored 40 goals. Like, it happens, man. And like, William Hillander is obviously in another world from that guy. Uh, I don't know if I can pronounce this guy's name. It looks like Carlez. He wants to know, a few episodes ago, episodes ago, James, you mentioned you played in a band. What did you play? Was it called Math Rock? <laughs> it was not called Math Rock. I played with some older guys and we played a bunch of covers of like rock songs. Like we played, I don't know. There was, we did, we did like, it was a wide variety. There was, there was Tom Petty. There was Green Day. There was stuff that we could play in a bar. And I remember mm-hmm. we used to, we used to get like seven, 800 bucks for a show and split it among five guys. And when I was in college, that was a lot of money. <laughs> That's pretty good for like a little 
we, band we like were, yours. No, we we did pretty well. Like we had established ourselves in the city as like someone that was worth paying money for. So we played yeah. uh, we played Christmas parties. We played grad reunions. We played like you know. So, but I, I soon realized that my career was not going to be in music. Though I just I was in this band with these guys that were you know, electricians and stuff like that. And uh, they were better than I was. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this for a living. Anyway. Uh, we got to bring it back. Bring the band back. I, I would love to play in a band. If anyone listening wants to start a band, uh, I need I need to start a band at some point. You got to learn an instrument, Jonas. No, it's not in me. I'm not I got my, musically I got, I got my guitar right here. You don't need to play for us. Yeah, That's okay. No, here we go. Here, no, it's uh, okay. It's okay. Oh. Punch just cut, cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're way off the rails. Get back to the questions, oh, man. Okay. Here I go. Here I go. Sorry about that. Ah. That's all right. It's okay. It'll be cut. <laughs> uh, Brandon Champ wants to know, will the Leafs give Engvall an extended try at third line center to see if he can become consistent? Uh, no. That's not. That ship is Yeah, it's not going to happen. I, I don't know that Engvall... It's hard to learn center at the NHL level, and he had basically not played center at all before he came to North America. And uh, I think what Engvall is is a guy that is a good fourth liner in the NHL, and that's about it. Well, I mean, there's a chance he's on the fourth line to start the season. Like that's not out of the question. I don't think if he plays with, if he played with Kampf on a purely defensive line, I think that he would be effective. Man, that line would. Stro- Mikheyev, Kampf, Engvall. That yeah. would be in tough to score. We'd call it the nothing line, like that old Sammy Paulson <laughs> line that used to play for the Ducks. It was like Travis Moen and Paulson and... Uh, uh, I remember the redhead. What was his name? Or maybe that was uh, Paulson. Paulson, Moen, and I, I can't remember. Oh, Niedermeyer. Was it Wasn't Niedem- it Rob Niedermeyer on that line? Yeah, yeah. it might have been, yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, there's a bunch of questions we've already answered. Outside of the big four, who do you think the Leafs are looking at taking a big step this year? Well, obviously, some of the new guys. Sandine is is a good one. Dermot is a good one. Like, Dermot's going to... We haven't talked a lot about Dermot. Um, I don't know that he'll play a bunch more than he did last year, and and he didn't play a lot. Uh, Like, Zach Bogosian only averaged, I think, like 15 minutes, but I... Would assume he'll just take Bogosian's penalty killing minutes, so that's an increase. Who, who um, do you think plays more at even strength, Sandine or Dermot? Like if they have to, maybe it depends on game, Sandine, game situation. I, think, I guess huh. I think it's game situation, but I would just say Sandy just because, like, when they're trailing, Sandy's going to play, and they're going to be trailing. And the thing is, like, when they're leading, Dermot's going to play, but he's not going to play more than the other guys ahead of him. Like he's not going to play more than Hall. He's not going to play more than Brody. So do you think Dermot might be like? I mean, he only had 13 minutes of game last year. I think year. he's like 15, right. 15 with, something. With some penalty kill in there, yeah. Yeah, which like, and and honestly, if he can do that, like that's that's something that's important. Like they're, I believe after this year, Justin Hall would only have one year left, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, eventually you want him to be someone who can play in your top four and, and play on the right side in your top four. That would be ideal. I would add like, um, in terms of guys that they want to take a step, I, I think Kerfoot's one. Um, his first two seasons in Toronto have kind of been uneven. Well, he obviously I think had there's the really more good there if he ever can like unlock what what his potential is. Yeah, I just don't. I still don't totally know what he is. Um, like he's kind of like 
I don't know where he fits best. He, like, he's I don't sort think of he just fits... a guy unless he takes another step, right? Like he's kind of like a tweener between a s- second and third liner. Yes. yes. That's a good way to and put it. And he's overpaid yep. for a third liner. And Yeah. And and obviously I think bunting is like could be a steal. We'll see. But we've already established it, your love for bunting. I can I can tell this is going to be a theme of the, every, the every bunting podcast. Fan club. Oh my God. Make it stop. There's some good ones on here. Uh, Craig wants to know how is the group holding up in the absence of Martin Marincin? Do you think they're Marty gonna, Party? Do you think they're going to be okay not having his steadying influence of in, sitting in the dressing room saying nothing? Well, now they've got Biega and Dahlstrom to do that. I guess Biega. Uh, R.J. Murray wants to know your hot take player to make the team out of training camp. Who's who's like some sort of dark horse that might might sneak through and make it? Like, let's say there's a couple injuries. Biega? No. Lilligren. Amadi? I mean, one injury one injury on defense and, like, he's in. Unless they, unless they like, Biega. I don't think so. What Biega's about, what about the, the Brennan? The, his Brennan his, Manel? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean... That, I was like, I can't remember his first name. No way, his first name is Brennan. <laughs> Brennan. I would say no at this point. Not ahead of Lilligren. No, oh, well, they asked for a hot take, so... Oh, well, it's hard to have hot takes with this team because it's so... We dissect it so closely. Lilligren's like, not a bad choice. I mean, in order for Lilligren to be on the team, they probably need to waive Engvall to fit his salary in. Or they, they have an injury. Lilligren also has those bonuses in his contract, his entry-level deal, which most a lo- most of like the... Entry level guys the Leafs had, like I don't think Robertson has them, and and I in the those bonuses can cause problems for a team that's really tight on the cap. Marner is super fast, and Matthews is pretty quick. Can Richie keep up on a line with them, or does he is he a better fit with Tavares? I mean, the debate is like, do you want to put a bunch of slow guys together, or do you want to like have like? Sometimes I feel like the best lines in the NHL are guys that bring different elements. Yeah. Do you remember who started last year with Matthews and Marner? Do you remember his foot speed? Uh, yeah, JT. The other JT. <laughs> yes. Jumbo. And they, their numbers with, with Thornton were like, it didn't matter. It won't, like it, like you said before, like, I, I think during the regular season is one thing. It doesn't matter as much. Like, they're just so good. It's, it's more so in the playoffs that you need someone there who can be trusted and who can contribute something. Like that was the problem with Galchenyuk, and and obviously Galchenyuk is now on a PTO. Like you just couldn't trust him, and obviously he burned them that one game. And he had a, you know, he had a, a I think he had a three assist game, but like all of his like former coaches and teams were probably laughing because like like that that was the concern with like that was always the concern with him putting him there is that he was going to do something dumb at an inopportune moment, and he like he did it in such like a high profile situation, <laughs> the worst moment. Like you couldn't and it was pick a so worse moment. Bad. It was like, it yeah. was, it was one of the worst plays we've seen. Like if you did a highlight reel of the 10 worst plays a Leafs player has made in a big situation in the last 20 years, like would that be number one? Probably. It's basically like putting the puck in your own net in overtime. The Dermot one was not great either. It was better than that though. But Yeah. All right. This person is named as per my last email, Mr. Troy. I don't know what that means. Do any of the goalies stand out in terms of building for the future or any of them being branded as such? No. What about Not to this point. Like a Cogren or someone like that? Like they must have brought that guy in for a reason. 
Yeah, but like they're not, that's not how they would frame it with any of those guys. And like those guys are all wild cards at this point. And that's like obviously been a, a real sore spot for the organization. Like they have not developed a goalie in a long time. And like they haven't developed a really good goalie. I don't even know when the last time was. It's before me covering the team. I mean, I mean Reimer is the best goalie they've developed in the since the like in the cap era, I think. Right, and he's just like he's he's fine. Like he's a nice starter, but like that's obviously one got away at some point. I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, ben Scrivens. Ben Scrivens. Yeah, he did get away. He got away all the way to Russia. Is that where he is? Well, no, he's retired now, but he was, he was overplaying in the KHL. Oh. Uh, Ray Pepe has a question for you. Disregarding health concerns, who do you guys think is the best all-around forward lineup? What would your line combos be? Uh, multiple people asked this question, so I wasn't going to ask it originally, but every time I'm going through the list and there's a lot of those. Best line combinations. I would try. I would start Kasha up with uh, Matthews and Marner if he can play left wing. That's what I would do. And then I put Richie Richie with Tavares and Nylander. And then uh, I would start bunting on a lower line just to like how look. how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like in softball, bunting is a last resort, Jonas. No, it's not. Not if you're good. Uh, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I, I kind of think the way they're doing it to start is is the way to start and see what it looks like. I mean, there's a reason. Like, they they signed Richie, obviously, after some of the other guys and gave him a two-year deal and two and a half million. Like, that that wasn't an accident. Like, they looked around and said, like, who's going like, to gonna play in well, our top six? Like, we need another guy who's, before, like, actually... Didn't they sign him? He was the last guy signed, right? It was like, on a, was it a Friday night or a Saturday? It was like... Yeah, it was after that first day. It was a few, a well after, not well after, but a few days, I think. No, Kasha was too, right? Like they, because yeah. after free agency, it was like, they don't have enough forwards. Like, they, like you know, they got cap space and they don't have enough forwards. What are they going to do? And I thought maybe they were going to try and pull off a trade or do something. And then they signed both those guys. Now, the thing I would say to, to counter that, James, and counter myself, is Richie has a name, but the production to this point in his career doesn't really match the name. No, he's... And that's, the, that's the only thing. He's like a third-line talent who... I, I think that he can contribute on the power play in front of the net. Yeah. Do you remember the, when the big rumor was that the Leafs were going to take him in that draft? Well... They were not right. Don Cherry was stumping for him the whole way along. And didn't he even said after the draft that they made a mistake taking Nylander instead of Nick Ritchie, right? They definitely did. <laughs> Oh man! So, what would your third line be? Comp with Mikheyev and that's see that's the thing with Kasha. Like, so if you're not putting Kasha there, let's say you're putting Kerfoot there, or if you're putting mm -hmm. Kasha there, where are you putting Kerfoot? Like, yeah, maybe, I guess he'd honestly, have to be on that line. Yeah, yeah, but, actually, but maybe not, James. Like, maybe your fourth line is just Kerfoot, Spets, and Simmons. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but I I think if you like if you're keeping Kerfoot at three and a half million, you got to play more than fourth line minutes. I like the idea on the fourth line if you can create some sort of an offensive line down there. That's kind of why I like Bunting there with with Spezza and, and another offensive player. Like I don't I don't know who it would be. Uh, whoever I left out. I, I mean, I guess Simmons you would have to play Simmons. There. Simmons would yep. have to play there probably. Um, but and just shelter the crap out of them and 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 see if they can generate some offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's remember, James, like Kerfoot spent some time on the fourth line last year. Like this is not, 
I'm not reinventing anything. This happened. I, I like Kerfoot on that on that left wing with Tavares too. If if there's a way to make that work, maybe that's maybe that makes sense. And maybe Kasha's on your third line, and and you see, you know, he's he's really tight with David Kampf, so they probably want to play together anyway. And Kasha, and here's the Kasha's, thing, like Kasha's a good yeah. defensive player too. So yeah, yeah. You see, like the first day, like he was tenacious, but. Um, all these, com- like, we're going to see all kinds of different combinations. I'm most curious, not most curious, but I'm curious to see if we do see more Matthews, Neander, Marner, Tavares, or if it just stays the same. I don't think it should stay the same, but who knows? Bob Ritchie wants to know, is the pun game ready? The pun game is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I've had multiple people tell me I shouldn't do the puns this year, so people let me know on social media if... if other media people are, t- are telling me I should cut it out. Uh, this person's Twitter handle is trade Riley while you still can. Do you want to take one guess what his question's about? Is it? <laughs> so should they trade Riley? No. no. His question is, have they butchered the Riley situation? No. What are, like, what are the, the options? So you and I went through the options in the summer and we talked about this last well, podcast briefly. Well, I think briefly. what they could have done but, is saw what the asking price was and if they didn't like it, they could have traded him in the summer. Okay. And trade him for what? Well, I don't know, Jonah. We've, we've been through this. People can go listen to the podcast from the summer when we talked about this. You're tra- like The problem is like you're trying to win a cup and if you're trading Riley, you need to be getting someone back who's as good as Riley. That's and that's hard. Like, why is another team trading you someone who's as good as Riley for Riley who's not signed? Right? Like they would have to obviously want to extend him, and then you're needing to get a player of equal value. It's like it's not easy. And then the other choice is obviously to sign him. And and I just don't I don't see how you do that given the potential price point at this point in the game. That's all I have to say on that point. I think it's possible that they did not play the situation perfectly. Disagree. But okay, go ahead. Marvelous Mark asks, do you think Carberry goes with a loaded power play one or two balanced units? This is why you get, why you get the big bucks, Jonas. I'm going to say loaded. And I think, um, I just think we'll see people in different positions would be my guess. You know what? I don't. Why don't they play Matthews on both units? Like, wouldn't that make sense? <laughs> what are you, you going to play him? F- the whole power play? I don't know. Ovechkin does it, doesn't he? Yeah, but he just stands there <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> well, come up with a come up with a path for Matthews to not to just stand there. If I was doing it, James, this is what I do. I would have. I think I would have Riley on the point of the first unit. I would have Matthews on one half wall. I would have Neilander on the other half wall. I would have Marner in that bumper spot, and I would have Tavares in front of the net. I think Marner in that bumper spot could be really interesting. And like I, I've been thinking about this because remember they used to have Kadri in that spot, and Kadri obviously doesn't have a great shot, but Kadri scored a bunch from that spot, just kind of like shoveling shit at the net. And I could kind of see like Marner maybe not replicating that because like the focal points would be Neilander and Matthews. Um, but he's also obviously an amazing passer and that's like, he can kind of play traffic cop a little bit. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. Otherwise I'd put Tavares and, and Marner on a different unit. That would be my alternative. But I think like, I, I believe for a while that they should get Matthews and, and Neilander back together from their early days in the NHL. Like you remember how good they were together. They were 
dangerous. And that was like when they were younger. They're better players now. Campo asks, what do you think of the chances that Josh Hosang or Nikita Gutsev make the opening night roster? Zero. I don't think. <laughs> not, not zero. 0.2%. I'll give them better odds. I will say like 5%. Five, how are they going to make the roster? I don't know. Injuries happen players disappoint. I don't know. But they would need like a bunch of injuries for that for them to make it. That can happen. I mean, like, to, to maybe they, they see something they don't like from someone and your trade happens. Maybe, like, like what would happen, like, let's say Gusev, who started camp with Kampf and Kasha. Let's say Gusev just, like, looks amazing. Like, he just, he's, like, dynamic. He's He's not very big, but, like, he's shifty and he creates some offense. And, like, you're looking at him, you're like, maybe this guy can, like, play on, I don't know, our fourth line or... It's just like, that's the problem for those guys. It's like, where do they fit? That's the problem. Pridham's calculator would like to know, are we finally going to see a Nylander-Matthews-Marner line? I think we see that at points throughout the year. I, I bet we see that more than we have in the past. Maybe like the emergency break glass line? I just think they need to, to have it in their back pocket a little more than they did because obviously when they went to that in game six and seven, I think... They had, they had never used it. Like, rarely had they used it. Um, the only times that they kind of play around with that sometimes is after penalty kills. But you just want to have some familiarity if those guys have to play together. Because you, you saw, James, like, they they didn't look... Like, Nylander didn't totally look comfortable there because he hadn't played there. You know what I mean? Like, the, those are three kind of puck-dominant players. So... Oh boy, someone's asking if Alex Steves is going to make... Or they asked us to em, estimate the odds of all these candidates of making the starting lineup, and one of the names on the list is Alex Steves. Alex Steves is zero. hurt. He's not, in tri- he's not in camp. He's an NCAA player that... There's no room for these guys. Like, that's... There's not... Like, I know you're working on a story on, like, the roster, camp roster battles. Like, there's, you know... There's, there's NHL caliber players that aren't going to make the team. Yes. So, like, these guys, like, I don't know. That's why I don't think Robertson can, can make the team. Yeah. All due respect to Alex Steves, he will be a Marley. Uh, this is a good question that I didn't ask you. Uh, I Istanbul Leafs. Istanbul? Istanbul Leafs. There, I, mm, I got cool. it. I wonder if they're from Istanbul. Oh, they are. They're from Istanbul. Awesome. Excellent. We will answer questions that come from Turkey and all questions that come from Turkey. Um, the, he wants to know, uh, or, or she... Wants to know the vibe. Is there hope and positivity or is it an act? What is it? What is it? I, I wasn't there. What does it feel like being around the players and the personnel and everything? What, what's what's the mindset there? It felt more relaxed than I, I thought. Obviously, the, the tensions are more to do with all the restrictions and I, the restrictions have changed a little bit this year, but it's more to do with that, I felt. Like Austin Matthews, to me, seemed very relaxed. Um, even like... Riley, Kyle Dubas, even like, I, I just think, I don't know. I, I feel like some of last year is kind of worn off a little bit. Like the anger, it, it just happens with time. You know what I mean? Like it, it, the tension you felt after that series and the, in the aftermath and even like at points in the off season, I, I feel like now it's kind of shifted to hope for this year, which makes sense. It's been almost four months, right? So yeah. 
Uh, Suki wants to know, uh, is it unfair to assume that John Tavares can come back and be as effective as he was after that injury? I wonder about that. Like, I wonder, you know what's going to happen? I was thinking watching Tavares talk yesterday on the, on the, the media day. Like, if he struggles in the first month or whatever, everyone's going to be writing that, you know, he's not the same or the injury or whatever. And I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'd connect it to. Because, like, the problem is, like, we, we saw that to start last year. He did not get off to a great start. Actually, he got off to a really good start, and then he really cooled off, and then he changed sticks, and that was that was all it took, James. It was only the stick, as I wrote for The Athletic. Um, yeah, I don't think I connected to. Would you? No, but I'm just saying the narrative is going to be there, that that's what's going to happen, is that... I mean, the, the reality is that John Tavares is getting older, We've seen evidence already of decline, I think, in the last... Yeah. Bit, I mean, decline from being a very, very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that even if he didn't have that injury, that there would be more evidence of decline this year. You know, how he ages is going to be really important to the Leafs, that that he finds a way to kind of not be one of those players that, that craters at 31, 32 years old. Well, one of the things that we don't discuss very much when we talk about like conceptual things with trades involving just basically Marner or Nylander is if you trade one of those guys and obviously you're trading them presumably for uh, something that includes a younger forward who's good. But like at that point, like Tavares will be even older, like neck by next fall, he'll be 32. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're not, you're, he's not, those guys are younger and he's, I don't know. I'm not explaining myself well, but like the complicating factor is the piece that, if you're going to remove one piece from that core, the piece you'd prefer to move is, is Tavares because of his age and because of his contract, as opposed to the two younger guys. I don't know if that made sense, but anyway. No, but all right. But can you move Tavares? No, I don't. I don't see how. I mean, the thing is, like anything can happen. Like when they, my rule, James, is like when they traded David Clarkson, that was kind of a reminder to me that anything can happen. Do not rule anything out. I think I've told this story before, but I was in Boston. I was at the Sloan Analytics Conference and it was freezing cold. It was like minus 20 and I was walking around looking for a place for dinner and I got that email. It was like five o'clock on like a Friday or something. David Clarkson has been traded and I had to like go check the email address and like make sure it wasn't like a prank email from like some random person trying to mess with me. Cause that's how much, right? that's how much I didn't believe it was real. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, one more. Is that the idea? One more. Yeah. Willie Bray, the Brayster. It says on his Twitter handle. Um, Hey fellas, fellas with an S. Uh, how much should we put into the line rushes today? It's uh, my, um, my read of social media reading our questions is that people are getting worked up that those line combinations are be what they're going to be using in the first game of the season. Oh, well, <laughs> I better make that clear in my story. People think that Nylander is with Kerfoot and stuff like that, and they're like concerned about it. I think the way you, you probably want to look at it more is pairs. And that's kind of the way I've been analyzing it myself is which are the pairs that could, could potentially stick. Um, so is like... Are Neander or sorry, are Kerfoot and McKayev going to be a pair? Maybe. Like that makes that makes some sense for me. Like maybe you move those guys to the separate wings and then there's Kampf and that's your line. Like that that kind of thing is is the way I'm looking at it. Um Bunting and Tavares, uh Richie and Marner. You know what I mean? Like that's 
you can kind of see outlines of what their lineup is going to look like more so in in terms of some of the pairs. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's it. No one uh no one get on a ledge about what you see in the line combination. The line combinations are interesting and I think they mean something, but you got to be careful not to take them as as what's gospel. Sometimes a coach is just trying to look at some different things and some different players together. Yes, exactly. So, James, we will get back together and do another pod next week. We're going to have some games to talk about. Um, they play on Saturday. I so know. by the time I'm, I'm not allowed to come. I'm bummed. The COVID restrictions mean that they're like really cutting back who's allowed in the building. So, Okay. Well, the following week, they will be in Montreal. They'll be in Ottawa. Um, and then we'll have plenty more to chew on. We'll actually have some games to look at, some tangible details to pick through so i'm excited for that i'm excited for stuff to actually be happening i as well you, all right well do you want me to pick the guitar up again no i could play you, play no. us off no it's a, you, you know what you can do once we're done and we stop recording and i've taken my headphones out then definitely do it okay <laughs> all right so if you haven't uh, signed up for the athletic give it a, sh- a shot right now it's 50 percent off you just go to theathletic.com slash leaf report we appreciate all your support uh james any parting thoughts oh god he's getting the guitar stop the recording thanks everyone